with you today. I'm very grateful for Dr. Dorch inviting me to preach and to take, uh, share his pulpit today. It is an honor to be with you, see many friends here, and I'm grateful for the friendship with many of you. Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 11. We'll read the first 13 verses. One day Jesus was praying at a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to give him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. I, uh, don't bother me. The door is locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and will, <clears throat> though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity or because of your boldness, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who receives, for everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? A number of years ago when I was a young pastor serving in Missouri, we had a college intern, freshman, completed his freshman year that was serving as our minister to students. He was planning his first retreat, first he had ever really, uh, when he had been working for a church and he wanted to do everything just right. He came in with all of his paperwork, asked me to look over it and see if there was anything he had left out or had forgotten to do. It was an outstanding plan. I looked it over and I said, well, the only thing I can think of is, uh, I think you need to spend some time in prayer where you take the sponsors that you have wisely chosen and you just spend time in prayer before the retreat. And he said, yeah, 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 I know that. That's, that, that's simple and easy, but is there any really hard stuff I need to do to make this the greatest retreat ever? Well, I realized he was young and enthusiastic he would get over that, and he did. He later became an outstanding pastor. But in that process, 
he expressed one of the more common misunderstandings regarding prayer. That prayer is simple and easy. Prayer at times is simple, but prayer is work. Otherwise, all of us would have more than adequate prayer lives. When I was a pastor, I would frequently, when I was visiting with people, say, how's your prayer life? Never once did anyone say, it's fantastic. Almost always they would say, well, I don't pray as much as I ought to, or I can't stay focused to pray, or I get thinking about other things. And as they began to discuss it, it was obviously they were not praying enough. Now, why is that? Why is it that prayer we're commanded to, we know it's an interactive conversation with God. Why is it so difficult for us to pray? Well, let's look at that this morning. There are two occasions that Jesus uh, teaches regarding prayer. The New Testament gives us many descriptions of Jesus praying. We have other examples of prayer being answered in the Bible. But rarely is there anything said about how to pray. Why is that? Well, the first account is found in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's one small part of that sermon. And there, then here in the Gospel according to Luke, one day they see Jesus praying, and one of the disciples says to him after he's finished his prayer time, Lord, Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. Well, at that time, there was really the custom and the tradition that every traveling rabbi would teach his followers a specific way of praying. Remember, these disciples were Jewish. They knew the principles of prayer. They had memorized prayers from the time that they were young. And they had seen that John the Baptist had given his people a unique and special way of praying and they expected Jesus to. And so they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus really makes it so simple. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, forgive us our sins. For we forgive others, leads not into temptation. And then he immediately goes ahead and probably the disciples are thinking, is that it, Jesus? They may have said, we've, wanted to, we've heard this before, but we want you to go deeper and help us to learn more the, uh, the principles of prayer directly from you. And then Jesus tells three quick analogies or quick stories. He said, Suppose that one, late, one night you have friends coming in from out of town. It's late at night. You want to have some bread for him, but you don't have any. Now, the analogy Jesus is using is one from that's uh, very practical from that day because when you traveled in that part of the world in the summertime, you almost always traveled at night. There was no way of notifying people where you, that you were on your way. And so you would have unexpected company late at night. You were always to be a good host. They kept very little bread in the house, just enough to start the next day generally. And that night 
he had no bread. So he went to the neighbor, he knocked on the door, and when he knocked on the door, the guy said, don't bother us, we're sleeping. Now, that was understandable because most homes in that part of the world were one room or two room, not one bedroom, two bedroom, but were one or two rooms. Everybody slept in the same room. He had finally gotten the kids to sleep and here your neighbor is knocking on the door and saying, you got me some bread. He says, Jesus says, now your friend will not get up because he is your friend, but because of your boldness or your, uh, your, your audacity, he will then give you your bread. Now, Jesus in this particular passage is not teaching about the persistence of prayer. There are other places that he addresses the persistence of prayer. But here he is talking about the nature of God who gives the bread. He then quickly goes ahead and he says, suppose, suppose your son uh, asks for a fish. Would you, give him a, would you give him a serpent or a snake? Well, that was so obvious. Now, the answer to that is based on really understanding the customs of that world. The Jewish people ate fish, but they would not eat an eel that looked like a snake. They wouldn't touch that. And he says, if your son wanted a fish, you as a loving father would not give him eel. Then he uses another illustration. He says, suppose, suppose your son asked for an egg. Would you give him a scorpion? Again, not a ridiculous analogy because in that portion of the world there were scorpions, especially in the sand, that would curl up and be in the sand and in an oval shape when they would curl up and as a result, you would see the, uh, uh, the, the scorpion down in the sand frequently and a child might reach for it and a parent would say, no, 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 don't, don't, that'll sting you, don't get that. So he said, you wouldn't intentionally lead your child to get a scorpion and get stung, would you? And then he said, if you being sinful, know how to give gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father know how to give you his presence of the Holy Spirit? What was Jesus teaching the disciples? Remember, the question was, Lord, teach us how to pray. What was he saying to them? Well, let's look at it. There are three basic principles. First, he was teaching them that when you pray, you need to acknowledge who God is. And that's not easy. Father, hallowed be your name. God, I'm coming before you and you are wholly other. You're not just like I am. In the pro one of the things that makes it difficult to pray is to humble ourselves before God and recognize who he is. There's a rule of uh, communication that says that 
for conversation to be effective, you need to know who the other person is. There's a story that illustrates this that comes out of uh, uh, Dawson Memorial Baptist Church. Many of you may remember when Dr. Edgar Arendahl was pastor uh, there from 1948 to 1984. On one occasion, he was gone one Sunday. He called his good friend, Dr. Russell Dilday from Southwestern Seminary to come and fill in the pulpit much of the way I am here today. He arrived early, entered the church and uh, saw a lady and he said, I need a drink of water. Could, could you tell me where the water fountain is? And she looked at him, she says, you're new here, aren't you? And Dr. Dilday said, yes, I am. She says, well, while we'll walk, said, I'll just tell you a little about our church. And then she talked and she said, now, I'm so sorry, our pastor is not here today. And she said, we've got some stuffed shirt from Southwestern <laughs> Seminary that's going to be preaching to us today. I'm so bad. I feel so badly about it. Hope you'll come back another Sunday. I heard this from Dr. Dilda. He told me the story. He said when he got up to see preach, he saw a lady go out the back door. <laughs> she would not have in any circumstances made that statement if she had known who she was talking to. When you and I enter a conversation with God, we recognize that he is the creator of the world. He is the one who has brought everything to existence that is. And we recognize that we're sinners. And when we recognize who he is and recognize his goodness, it's difficult for us. You see, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, hey, God really loves you. I really love you. But in many ways, we do not want God to love us. We would prefer that he like us. For if God likes us, he will give us what we want. That's what our friends do, if they're going to stay our friends. They will give us exactly what we want. But as parents, we understand that there are times that you will not give your child what he wants, but you will instead provide what he needs. A number of years ago, I remember a family came to me and they were really distraught what they should do. Their son had abuse problems. He was coming to them asking for more money. They had the resources and they said to me, said, we're not going to give it to him because we know what he will do with it. And they explained to him that they would pay for rehab for him and they would give all that they had to do that, but they just wouldn't give him just cash. The son comes to me and hopes that being their pastor, I can persuade them uh, to give him the money. They never did. For about three to four years, he didn't speak to his parents. But eventually, there's a happy ending to that story. He accepted their offer for rehab. He is now a fully functioning and vibrant adult. And he and I have talked since then because it was when I was serving in Texas. And he, he says, 
I couldn't really accept my parents' love. I wanted them to give me what I wanted when I wanted. When you and I come before God in prayer, we are acknowledging that he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And that's difficult for us because of our sinful nature. There's a second reason. When we pray, we are, we are responding to God's initiative. And we, we would rather God respond to our initiative. Everything in the Bible begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We read how God calls people. He doesn't wait for them to turn to him. God called Abraham without Abraham asking. God called Moses without him asking. God called prophets without their asking. God sent his only begotten son without our asking. God gives the Holy Spirit without people asking. God gives. He initiates. And prayer is a conversation that initiates with God. We often think that we're asking or prevailing upon God just to do something, but God has already spoken to us, and as a result in prayer, we need to take our time. We need to slow down in order to have an effective prayer life. When I was pastor of a church in Texas, there was a lady in our church and on behalf of the nominating committee, I had called her and asked her to serve as chairperson of a significant committee in our church. And she gave the standard response. She says, let me pray about that. And I'll get back with you next week. The next week she made an appointment with me as she walked in I was putting on my best uh, way of persuading her. And as soon as she walked in the door and I said, I hope you're here to tell me yes. She looked at me like, what's that about? I said, well, you know, I asked you to serve as chairman of the, uh, 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 the Long Range Planning Committee. And she said, I, I hadn't even thought about it. And she said, if you got a few minutes, I need to talk to you. She said she had been dealing with a very serious illness that only she and her husband knew about until that, about two days before she came to see me. She says, my physician told me today my illness is worse and I have less than a year left to live. I need to talk to you about dying today. And I realized this meeting was about her agenda, was not about mine. And I'm so grateful that I just listened because she was a mature believer. And as she processed facing death, she influenced my life in so many ways and helped me understand what it means to go through and the questions you raise and I really didn't give her any insight. I just listened. And she formed and helped shape my ministry. 
often when we come to God in prayer, we want to talk about something that God may not be interested in. Oh, he's interested in, but it may not be the most important thing. I do a prayer journal and have done so for about 10 or 15 years and I'm generally a type A personality and my concept of prayer is open my prayer journal and start writing immediately. And God began to convict me that much of it was just out of routine. I began my prayer every day the same way. This is the day that you have made. Oh Lord, I rejoice and I'm glad in it and I receive this gift. And then I would start to give my laundry list of things that I wanted God to do for me. And as I began following the instruction of someone that I knew that was close to me, they said, Gary, just remain silent. When you start to pray, not every time, we all have emergency prayers and things we bring to God, but for a meaningful prayer life, just sit there a moment. And it was amazing. I began to realize often I was asking God to change someone's attitude and I realized I needed to change my attitude. Often I would be praying for our church in a specific way and it, God would speak to me and I'd realize, Gary, you're praying for the wrong thing. You need to pray Pray that you might know what the kingdom will is. That's difficult because slowing down, recognizing God's agenda rather than bringing our agenda to God is difficult. And then third, as we pray, we are surrendering our will or basically our will regarding the things that we cherish most to God's will. Think about the Lord's Prayer. When he says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. What was most of the people doing that during that uh, uh, era of history? They were trying to provide their food for one day. And he says, Trust me for it. And he says, say, for, Lord, forgive me as we forgive others. What does most, why do most of us struggle with forgiveness? We sometimes say forgiving is the most difficult thing to do. And sometimes it's receiving forgiveness. And sometimes it is forgiving others for things that they have done in our life. A number of years ago, I was going to work one morning. I was sitting at a stoplight, I remember, right where I was, probably 10 or 15 years ago, sitting at a stoplight, and I was thinking about a conversation that I had with a lady 18 years previous. And I was thinking what I wished I'd have told her because uh, she insulted me. She made comments that... I felt were untrue and were inaccurate. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know why I didn't tell her that. I, that would have put her in her place. And I was sitting there and then I heard the car behind me honk. The light had turned green. 
I had missed it. You know, and oh, I quickly pulled up and then, you know, how you take off real quickly when someone behind you is honking and you realize you've been daydreaming. And as I drove away, I realized, you know that lady that I would have liked to have told that to? She's been dead 10 years. 10 years. At that time, had been dead 10 years. And here I was allowing that to consume portion of my day rather than engaging in what I needed to. It was something, someone who I had not really forgiven. And God began to deal with my heart that I needed to forgive and to really let things go and to trust God that he would take care of all of that. You see, in the act of praying, we are surrendering to God the things that are most important to us. That's why Jesus didn't give that many how-tos in prayer. It's about faith. It is, as the book of Hebrews says, without faith you cannot please God. It is, as Jesus would speak to his disciples and tell them frequently of the importance of faith, your faith is as a grain of mustard seed. In Luke chapter 17, the disciples finally start to get it. And they ask, Lord, give us faith. The key to prayer is trusting God. It's not so important the words we say. There's not a formula for prayer. What comes first or what comes second? Remember, it is ultimately trusting God. And believing when we pray. And not just going through the routine of saying words to God, but interacting with the God who created the heavens and the earth, who revealed himself through the Holy Spirit, who revealed himself through Jesus Christ, who gave us the Holy Spirit, and recognizing that when we pray, God is here, he's with us, and he can be trusted. Let us pray. Father, you have heard us many times just speak words to you because we had been taught that somehow finding ways to address conversation with you was a, a ritual or a routine that we needed. And you have been understanding of us and yet you have loved us and we have often walked away from those prayer times feeling unfulfilled. And now, Father, we trust you. We trust you with the things we're worrying about this week. We trust you about the people that we need to forgive and the people that uh, you have brought to our mind that we need to make a correction with. We trust you for the next meal, Lord. We 
sometimes we spend so much energy on what's going to happen 10 years from now. Father, help us in our faith. Help us to have more faith and to be confident that you will give it. In Jesus' name, amen.